Well, if you will, bow with me and let's turn our attention to the word of the Lord and pray together as we do. Great God in heaven, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we we do recognize you didn't have to wake us up. Lord, you don't owe us anything. You don't owe us another day of life. You don't owe us another breath. So thank you, Lord, for waking us up and bringing us to this place. Thank you for bringing the church to this church campus, Lord. God, I thank you so very much that you love us, that you care for us, that you meet every one of our needs. And Father, I, I stand before you this morning as a, as a man in need. I, I know that I'm unworthy, and I know that I'm unable. Father, the task before me is to proclaim your word and your truth. Father, I pray that you would do that in spite of me. God, that your words may flow, flow forth, and that mine might be stopped. That from your very word, that you would pierce our hearts, that you would convict us and challenge us, but that you would also encourage us and comfort us. Father, we desperately long to hear a word from you this morning. So we ask that you would add the richest blessing to the preaching, to the teaching, to the proclamation of your holy word. We ask all this in the name of Jesus our Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to you our Father in heaven. Amen. All right, folks, if you'll turn with me once again in your Bible to Luke chapter 17. If you don't happen to have a copy of God's Word with you, there are some in the pew backs in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at home, please take that one with you. That's our gift to you. We would love for you to keep that, and we will replenish it. If you would prefer to look up on the screens, the text will be there. If you have a phone or a tablet, that's also okay. However you are accessing the Word of the Lord, I would ask, if you're physically able... Would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word in Luke chapter 17. We'll begin reading in verse 7. Once we have completed our reading, I will say that this is the word of the Lord, and I will ask you to respond by saying thanks be to God, as is our tradition. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 7. The word of the Lord says, Will any one of you who has a servant plowing, Or keeping sheep, say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and recline at table. Will he not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me, and dress properly, and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done... What was our duty? On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them. When he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <coughs> Excuse me. As we continue in our study of Luke chapter 17, we begin just a few verses where we already have tread last week. We remind ourselves of this parable that Jesus tells. He is on a journey that is a meandering journey on his way to Jerusalem, And he is going from Galilee, traveling through Samaria, on his way to Jerusalem. This is not the most direct path. For the last several chapters, we've been given instructions and parables and things that happened in Jesus' timeline of going down to Jerusalem. And so, what we find here is the fourth of five miracles on this journey. But as he's walking, he's also teaching and talking to his disciples. We talked about last week, they asked for their faith to be increased. And Jesus says, if you had just the grain of a mustard seed of faith, then you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the ocean. He talked about how leading others into temptation, causing others to sin, would be as bad as hanging a millstone around your neck and being thrown into the ocean. It is worse than death to cause someone to abandon the faith. And then he also talks about how when someone has wronged us, when someone has sinned against God or sinned against us, we rebuke the sin that took place. And if they offer repentance, then we grant them repentance, even if they go against us or against the Lord seven times in one day. The last thing that we finished up with was what we see in verses 7 through 10. This story is one that pierces my heart because I, I am one that it just, it really puts wind in my sail if you thank me for doing something, even if it was what I was supposed to do. And yet here is Jesus saying that we, as his servants, as his children, should look back at the Father and say we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was commanded. We expect no appreciation, no gratitude from you, Lord, because we are unworthy servants. We've only done what you asked us to do. We only did what was required of us, what was our duty. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I have a temptation that I struggle against in my life of thinking that God is fortunate. God is blessed to have me, right? We get in this place where we think, well, at least I'm not like so-and-so. And God must be more proud of me than so-and-so, when in reality, God owes us no thanks. It does God no favors that we worship him. He does not need us. He wants us. He sent his son to die for us, but he doesn't need us. The very rocks could cry out for him. There's plenty of other people that he could use, and yet he allows us to be his children, to be his friends. And we must always remember that we are his slaves. We are his servants and are blessed to be so. Because otherwise we're a slave to this world and a slave to sin. So then as Jesus continues on this journey, as he's on his way, he's going between Samaria and Galilee. And as he's entering into a village, there are ten lepers who stand at a distance and lift up their voice. Listen, there are extremely detailed, specific instructions for lepers in Leviticus. All right, so if you ever want to know a lot more about leprosy, you can look in Leviticus chapters 13 and 14. All we're going to look at are a couple of verses from Leviticus that remind us why these lepers are acting this way. Okay, so look with me at Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes 
and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp, all right? So these are the instructions that we really need to know. But honestly, what's known today as Hansen's disease is the most modern equivalent to leprosy. But they didn't really mean just Hansen's disease. If you had boils all over your skin, you had leprosy, all right? If you had sores all over your body, you had leprosy. If you broke out in hives or a rash, you had leprosy. So leprosy could cover a whole gamut of skin diseases and skin disorders. If you had eczema in the ancient Near East, you didn't have eczema, you had leprosy. So there's a lot of different types of leprosy, but the vast majority of them involve oozing and, and, and bodily fluids just leaking out of you. It was bad, okay? So this is not just a you're unholy. This is a you're unsanitary. You have to remember the laws that Jesus, that God commands through the Old Testament in Leviticus are good for health and wellness, all right? These are good hygienic things to do. The reason that he tells them not to eat pork is because no one was able to clean pork properly in those days most people that ate pork ended up very sick because the pigs were very dirty so god is telling these instructions and these laws for the good of his people this is not to be mean to lepers but the problem is they could infect everyone else in the village in the town in the camp if they just roamed around because there's no good way to wash your hands it's just unsanitary by every means so these rules are given for the good of all the people. But Jesus, everywhere we see him in the Gospels, is breaking the rules and going outside of the norms. And that's what we see this morning. So look, I feel like it's, it's kind of hard to mentally kind of think about Jesus being ambushed by ten people who were yelling all the while coming up to him. All right. So what I'd like right now is I need my Jesus. Jesus, can you come up here and join me? Ladies and gentlemen, James Pierce a.k.a. Jesus the Christ, all right? Now, he was chosen this morning for obvious reasons because everybody knows that Jesus has a big, long beard, all right? Everybody knows this is how Jesus would have looked and had the nice beard and probably that, that well-groomed mustache as well. I mean, that's just, I know Jesus took good care of his mustache. Freya is with James because Jesus said, let the little children come unto me, all right? Has nothing to do with the fact that it's James's daughter and she wanted to be up here too, all right? So now we've got Jesus, and he's on his way, he's meandering, and you guys are in the town, okay? So we need ten lepers. And this, this morning I had ten brave volunteers who said that they would have leprosy for me. So if you were going to have leprosy, stand up, come back here. Get all the lepers back here in the back of the camp, all right? I don't want you infecting people. Come back here to the back, all right? Back by this door, all right? These people are lepers. They have leprosy. Do we understand? Come on, Miss Brent. I know it's hard because you got leprosy. It's hard to walk. I know. Come on back here by me, okay? All the way back here. Can everybody see us over here, all right? These are ten leprous people, men and women of all ages and sizes, all right? They all have leprosy. Okay, now what you've just been informed is Jesus of Nazareth, the man who has cleansed other lepers. In Luke chapter 5, we heard about the leper that came and fell at Jesus' feet. You know that this same Jesus is passing through. Okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to follow the instructions in Leviticus chapter 13. Everybody take your hand, cover your upper lip. You got it? Boom. All right. So now I want you to casually make your way to Jesus, but you've got to let everybody in the congregation know that you are unclean. So before we walk, I need to hear your best unclean shout on the count of three. Ready? 
One, two, three. It's not loud enough. That, the, look, Jeff over there, he doesn't know that you're unclean, and he needs to run the other way. Try one more time. One, two, three. That's better. All right, all together now, go to Jesus. You're unclean. Let everybody know. I can't walk down the same aisle as them. They're unclean. All right, remember, y'all lepers now. Don't get up all close to Jesus. Don't get all close to him. Right about here. Right about here. Still let him know. Let him know. All right. All right through here. Jesus, you take a step back. Take a step back. All right. Unclean, unclean. All right. All right. Last one unclean on three. One, two, three. Unclean. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, all right, you come before the mercy of Jesus of Nazareth. You have bombarded this man, okay? And guys, I want you to kind of think and visualize with me. This is not a small group of people. This is ten people shouting and coming your way when others are pressing in around you trying to get to you. Hey, Jesus, hey, hey, I've got this daughter. I've got this person back here. Hey, Jesus, look, I really want to be in your kingdom. Look, this whole Messiah thing you've got going, I love it, dude. I just am all about it. And these people are rushing, bum-rushing down to Jesus going, unclean, unclean. And then they interrupt everybody else. And they holler all together so they can get Jesus' attention. They're following the Levitical law. They've approached Jesus. But you'll notice in Scripture it says they stood at a distance and they cried out to Jesus and they said, Jesus, have mercy on me. Can, you, we, I'm, can we say, Jesus, have mercy on me? On the count of three, Jesus, have mercy on me. Loud as you can because you've got to get his attention, okay? One, two, three. Jesus, have mercy on me. Boom. So now Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. All right? The reason Jesus says this to them is because if we continued reading in Leviticus, that's how you were restored to your community. It's not enough to just be cleansed of leprosy. You see, it's not enough just to not have leprosy anymore. You have to have the priest publicly, in front of the whole temple community, say that you are no longer unclean. That action restores you to normal society. You no longer have to be outside the camp. You can be right up close to Jesus and right up close to anyone. You can have community again. You can have friends. If you are married, you couldn't go home to Beverly, Shannon. You'd be stuck leprous outside the camp. You got to go see the priest so you can be declared clean so you can go home and lay in the same bed as your wife. It's that serious, folks. So Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. And that's all he tells them. So if they believe Jesus, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to go to the priest, right? If they say that they believe Jesus, but they stand right here, do they really believe Jesus? No, 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 they don't. We, we read about it in Second Kings, right? We read about this man named Naaman, and he goes, and, he, and Jesus and Elisha tells him to go dip into the Jordan River seven times. If he believed that it could help him, he would have gone right to the river. But his servant, you remember, had to convince him, had to say, no, 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 listen, listen. You came all this way to see this prophet. Okay, just do what he says. And so he does what Elisha says. How do we know that eventually he believed that it would work? Because he did what Elisha said. How do we know that these people believed Jesus? Because they did what Jesus said. So, folks, if you will go back to your seats, you will be made clean. Thank you, sir. God bless you, Jesus. Can we get a round of applause? Good stuff. Thank you, Freya. Great job. And folks, out of these ten lepers, out of this scene, out of this scenario that's caused a huge ruckus, 
as soon as they turn, as soon as they go to leave, as soon as they head back to the, the temple or to their seats, <coughs> excuse me, as soon as they head back, once they start and take that first step, that's when the healing takes place. You understand, this is the same thing that we've been singing about this morning, that it takes faith, that we're not saved by works, but the healing requires faith. Well, how do I know that I have faith? When Jesus said, go, did you go? When Jesus said, jump, did you say how high or did you just start jumping? When Jesus says, trust in me, did you trust him? Because these ten lepers, they knew that they could get healing from Jesus. They broke the rules to approach him. They stood at a distance. They pleaded for mercy. And Jesus had mercy on them and said, go show yourself to the priest. and You'll be made clean. And so every one of the ten of them took that first step of faith. Boom, I'm going to the priest. And as soon as they began walking, they were cleansed. But out of all ten, only one of them looked down and went, Guys, we're healed. That was it. He healed us just like that. we got to go say something to him. And everybody else went, I don't know, man. I'm just going to keep going to the priest. It'll be all right. I mean, if we catch up with him later, whatever, you know. I mean, we got what we wanted, right? We needed to be healed. We're healed. We're going. We're doing what he said. I mean, that's, you know, he told us to do that. He doesn't really want us to come back. And one leprous person, a man, Scripture makes a solid point, adds a whole other sentence in there so that we can know that this man was a Samaritan. Religiously, Samaritans were disgraced from Judah. They, they had worshipped in wrong ways against what Scripture taught. So they were, not, they were not clean in the holy sense because they worshipped in the wrong place and they allowed the worship of false gods on the high places throughout all of northern Israel. All right, That's the history of Samaria. And so these Samaritans... They don't believe the same way that the Jews do, so they're unclean. Not only that, they're half-breeds. So they're, they're biracial, if you will. All right, So they're a mix of multiple races. So for two very distinct reasons, Samaritans were always outcasts. Samaritans were always outsiders. They were always rejected by the Jews. This is the, the surprising part of Jesus telling the parable of the good Samaritan. The Samaritan would never be the hero. He would never be the one that would actually do what was right because Samaritans were the scum of the earth. So now let's add on top of all of that the fact that this was a leprous Samaritan. This is the lowest of the low. This is somebody in tattered, ragged clothes with a scraggly beard and only three teeth in their mouth and a needle hanging out of their arm showing up at your front door. Jesus doesn't turn them away. Jesus has mercy on them. They ask for healing. He provides the healing. And nine out of the ten went, good stuff. Got what I needed. Going on about my life. And then there was one who went back to Jesus and threw himself at Jesus' feet. Don't miss that it says he fell on his face before Jesus. Is there any way to be cool and fall on your face? before somebody is there any way to do this and look cooler than what i'm looking right now because i'm looking pretty cool i'm just gonna be honest with y'all all right this is the posture he fell on his face before jesus and said thank you god 
You have made me well. Jesus said, get up. Your faith has healed you. Look, it's, it's hard because it's in English, but I promise you, the word that is used is saved. All the other, ten, all the other nine got healing, but there was one who the scriptures tell us got salvation because he went back to Jesus. Folks, how many of us have been using Jesus like a genie in a bottle? How many of us in our prayer life, it sounds like a letter to Santa Claus? God, I need you to do this. God, I want this. God, I'd like this. God, I need you to bless me here. Lord, I need you to bless me there. Lord, I'm I'm praying that you'll do this in my family. I'm praying. All those might be good things. You might need deliverance. You might need help. You might need healing. But how many of us go back to Jesus and say, God, I prayed for deliverance. I prayed for healing. I prayed for blessing. And boom, I see where that's been delivered. Boom, I see where that's been healed. Boom, I see where you showed up and blessed me. Thank you, God, because otherwise none of that would have happened. Folks, how often do we neglect to be thankful to Jesus? It's so simple, we look right past it. That's the percentage. I mean, like, I don't have any statistics for it, all right? But I guarantee you that 90% of us, including me, I pray and pray and pray and pray, and little answers are happening all along the way. Little answers are happening all along the way. And I forget to go back and tell Jesus, thank you, God. This person would still be struggling in this way. This person would be dead. But you provided. You healed. Man, one of my favorite things about Jake coming on staff is that, honest to goodness, folks, I was in a rut before Jake came on staff because Jason and I would get together and we would pray. And week in and week out, we would pray. And we'd see the same prayer request so many weeks in a row. And it was so discouraging. We were like, man, come on, Lord. We need you to move. We need you to do something. And then Jake starts joining us here. He comes on staff. He joins us in the prayer times. And he says, hey, man, isn't it incredible how that prayer request isn't on here anymore? Isn't it incredible how God answered right here? Isn't it amazing that we've been praying about this for three or four weeks? And boom, look, God showed up in that way. Look, that person didn't write this down again. They wrote down something else. Folks, it's so easy to forget to thank Jesus. Even for the simple things of salvation, that we can speak to him. How many of us this morning, you are so close to President Donald Trump, you could pick up your phone right now and call him and he'd answer? Just raise your hand. All right, nobody's going to bombard you or anything. Nobody's got special messages that you need to send to Trump. All you got, look, you mean nobody in this room. Look, we got about 300 people in here. Out of 300 people, you mean there ain't nobody in this room that can't get a message to Donald Trump by picking up their phone and calling him right now? Well, I, I know somebody a little simpler to get a hold of. All right, maybe Kay Ivey. Kay Ivy, we got somebody that could call Kay Ivy right now, and she'd answer right now no matter what she's doing. She's going to drop everything to answer your phone call, and you could talk to her right now. We might could get the mayor. Maybe maybe the mayor. I don't know. We, we maybe could. We could probably get the superintendent of Andalusia City Schools. We might could get the uh, district attorney of Covington County, but maybe. Those are, those are still iffy. I don't even know if they're with me this morning, right? But, folks, The one who said, let there be, and there was. And by his son dying on a cross and standing as a mediator between him and us allows us to just say, dear Jesus, any time, day or night, 247-365, you just say, hey, Lord, and he's listening right there. 
No dial tone, no waiting, no dial up, no nothing. He's there. You got the king and master of all the universe right there at our disposal. And half the time we don't even thank him for the privilege of praying. Half the time we don't even thank him that he lets us talk to him. And he listens. As a friend, as a father, he listens. And then by his spirit directs us and responds to us and sends us to his word to hear back from him. Folks, this is a miracle every time we pray. And how often do we approach the Lord with a thankful heart? Versus how often do we approach the Lord that he ought to be thankful for us? These two parables are put side by side on purpose. There was only one thankful leper. And the servant who has only done what is commanded should not expect a thank you from the master. The response of the servant should be the response of the leper who went back to Jesus. This morning, I I feel like some of us may be in danger of having gone to Jesus one time at one point in our life, but we've never gone back. Is that you this morning? Did you go to Jesus and get what you needed, but you didn't form a relationship with him? You didn't start following him. You didn't give him your life. You got your healing and walked out the door. As we read this parable this morning, we have to ask ourselves, I have to ask myself, who am I? Am I the servant in verses 7 through 10? Am I the Samaritan leper? Or am I one of the other nine who just goes to Jesus for what I need and then ditches him at the first opportunity? Folks, I I wish that there was something more I could tell you, but it's just that simple. Where are you? Have you ditched Jesus? Did you go to him one time, but it didn't really mean anything to you? Or did you come back to Jesus and fall on your face And praise God for the salvation he's given us. Who are you this morning? Regardless of who you've been, now that we've read this together, who are you going to be as you leave this place? I'm begging you, go back to Jesus. He is waiting and he's calling. Do not think that one simple prayer with nothing to follow it is sufficient. Go back to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, not just as a way to start a prayer, but thank you, God. Lord, truly, we owe you everything. And in this season of life, we we spend time being thankful for our family and our friends and telling people how we're thankful for what they've done in our lives and for us. God, don't let us miss the opportunity to thank you. Lord, you didn't have to make a way. Father, we were the ones who wronged you, and you could have just written us off. You could have just decided to scrap and start over. But Lord, out of your grace, out of your mercy, 
You made a way for sinners, just like me. There is one way and one truth and one life, and it is through you, Jesus. So, Lord, cause us, draw us back to you. Let us be a church filled uh, with Samaritan lepers who come back to you and fall on our face at your feet and declare that you are good and you are holy and we are grateful. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who has never come and fallen at your feet, I pray that your spirit would move on their heart, that they would know that you so loved the world that you gave your one and only son, that whoever would believe in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, may there be someone who believes on you today, this morning. Father, we ask that you would move by the power of your spirit to convict all of our hearts and challenge us to be more grateful and to come back to you. We ask all these things, Lord, in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. All God's children said.